Major League Rugby Pod. Welcome to the 13th edition of Major League Rugby Pod, where we saw the two semi-finals and given the final of the first inaugural season of Major League Rugby, we had Seattle Seawolves versus San Diego Legion, where Seattle booked the first place in the final, going 38 points up to San Diego's 24. In the second game, we saw Glendale Raptors go 34 points up against Utah Warriors, booking the second place in the final, setting up a final between Glendale Glendale and Seawolves. Joining me as always, we have Matt. How's it? And James. How you doing? And we're going to be talking about the two games and what we think will be happening in the final. So Matt, first game, we had Seattle versus San Diego. What's your thoughts on the game? Oh, it's a quality game. Uh, both teams definitely fronted up. Seawolves were really good. I thought San Diego had sort of the rub of the green in terms of rugby for the first 20 minutes. They just weren't able to get any points on the board from, for their efforts and we saw that sort of hamper them as the game went on and the Seawolves perked up. Uh, some poor discipline from the Legion got in the way. Uh, two yellow cards which you just don't need in the game of the calibre. Um, and then, yeah, the Seawolves just sort of maintained a, a great level of rugby, uh, managed to find some holes in the midfield later on, scored a few tries. But, I mean, most of the points were scored in the last sort of quarter. Um, so, yeah, it was a quality game of rugby. Um, bit disappointed. The Legion weren't able to capitalise on their strong efforts and take away the win because I picked them. I think all of us did. Um, and it would have been good to see them play at home next week. But I thought, yeah, quality game from the Seawolves. Deserved winners at the end of it. I say that, yeah, was a shame there. I mean, obviously a great result against the Raptors uh, in the final week of the season. Um, but you've got to say overall, you know, across the season, the Seawolves absolutely deserved to be in the final. You know, it's not a fluke through to the play. So it's great to see them there. Yeah, can't disagree with both of you there. In in the first bit, actually, feel a bit sorry for San Diego in that game. They had all the opportunities, which didn't convert. You mentioned it there, Matt. One of the key things in the game was their discipline. They had two yellow cards that overlapped for four minutes of the game. They're down to 13 men, and they leaked best part of uh, 19 points during that time. Um, you know, they, they looked well, but... At the end of the day, the fair result, Joe, on what you said there, the fair result is probably the Seawolves victory. Seawolves have been great all season. San Diego have been, you know, on a bit of a roller coaster this season. Let's go back to the start of the season when they didn't look so great and they, they, they looked like they weren't going to win too many. They turned it around. They they made it through to the um, to the playoffs, as, as we well know. And I think the guys have got to be blooming proud of themselves that they got themselves into the playoffs. And yeah, they're going to be kicking themselves back in the sheds. That the, the discipline got to them and they, they couldn't close this game out and, and couldn't get there. But I think they should be mightily proud of themselves that they, they got there to the championship game and, you know, not take too much away that, that they're not going to be there at their home stadium next week to try and win the, the inaugural championship. Yeah, you're right there. And as uh, Matt said, this game really came down to about 15 minutes or so where the three converted tries scored by the Seawolves. Um, really made the difference. I mean, you talked a lot about the kicking last week. Um, when I wasn't on the pod, I'm sure you're happy to have me back in my dulcet northern tones, as I think the term that, he, that yeah. you used. The rubbish chat's back. I mean, yeah, lovely to have you back, mate. Good to see you. Yeah, thanks, mate. Get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> studio. Studio. Yes, sorry, the um, high-end recording studio. 
Uh, yeah, I think it was 15 minutes here where the game kind of was turned on its head. The Seagulls really cracked on. Um, Legion were in it for most parts of the game, but I think it was just that point. You know, the Seawolves showed that difference. Well, in you class. know, thirty minutes into the game, San Diego had had eighty-two percent of the territory. You know, I mean, that's some stat. Eighty-two percent of the territory, thirty-two minutes in, hell of a hell of a shift by San Diego. But yeah, at the end of the day, Seawolves Seawolves implemented their game plan better and, and they played well. That they, they took the opportunity, as I say, when uh, San Diego were down to thirteen men, they took the fourteen, then thirteen men. They took those opportunities brilliantly and, and really, uh, really made sure they converted the points during that time. When did you become a statistician? Uh, last week I went on a course. Did you? But I'm now going to become, sorry Matt, I'm going to become the weatherman. So the, the weather to start the game, it was pretty bloody windy and pretty bloody wet. And I think Seawolves opened up the game a little bit, not quite knowing what to do, whereas San Diego seemed to have that game plan a bit better. And perhaps that explains the territory. San Diego played the conditions better to begin with. But as the game went on, the Seawolves built into it. And, it, you know, as our resident weatherman, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the weather, I would have thought, played better into the Seawolves' hands. You know, that suits their game plan. Um, but, I mean, we talked about it last week, whether regardless, the San Diego Legion tactically are better uh, behind Tiger Leader's hooves. Um, and we saw that he pinned the Seawolves back many a time in the first 20 minutes. Um, there was some oh, know, yeah. great territory for them. They just couldn't score. He had some great kicks through. There, there was a couple of um, kicks through behind where he put it on a sixpence. You know, he, he put it right in the space and it, it bounced out or onto the man. It was some great kicking from him and he should be proud from that. But also, talking Tiger Leader there, as you are, one other player who we've got to pick up for San Diego Legion on his debut... Joe Peterson with a try nine minutes in and then uh, assists on another try later on. And then his kicking was superb. Yeah, it was. I mean, he's a, he's a great find and a great asset. So next season, I'm sure people are going to be watching that tape going, Jesus, where did this guy come from? But a great debut from him. Yeah, absolutely. I think San Diego, San Diego I mean, there's plenty of positives for them to take out of this game and they'll be looking at those in the off-season um, and they can you know, work, work on a couple of little things. There's not much because we know that they knocked off the Raptors. No one else did. Yeah. Um, so positives for them. Um, it, was just, it would just be frustrating, you know, sort of coming after this 60th minute, you know, you get the yellow card, get William Russellica trucking up the middle with some yards and ends up scoring a well-worked mm. try. Um, and then just strong defence from the Seawolves, forcing an intercept try, which is unfortunate, you know, just run against the play. Peter Tiberio ran it in. Um, yeah. And then that second yellow card came, and it was just sort of, when you're down two men, it's hard enough. Yeah, it was tough for them. And I mean, a big part of that, so the term big game experience kind of factors in a lot. It, it's always a shame to win... Oh, sorry, to lose a game like this, but what the Legion players will take for next year, going into the last few games of the season and if they make the playoffs next year, going through the sort of experience will really kind of build for them, you know, the character that will come out of that. It's hugely important as a learning experience. Uh, we talked about, obviously, on the international scene as well, the players that have made the call. up. It's these sorts of big games that really make the difference. Um, in the end, you know, as, as we've spoken about, it was the quality of the Seawolves. It really came down to that. Um, fair play to them. Uh, it's a shame to see Legion go out after the huge win against the Raptors, but I think it's absolutely well-deserved, to be fair. 
Yeah, a couple of takeaways for the game from me. Were, it was interesting at half-time, they interviewed the uh, one of the coaches from San Diego Legion, and his direct quote was, you know, where are the tackles? We've missed them all. So, so San Diego weren't happy with how many tackles they, they their defensive line on the, the first half, and they've missed, and in fairness, they have missed a lot of tackles. But then something must have been said in the sheds at half-time, because Devin Short come out. I mean, Jesus, what, 20 years old, 15 and a half stone, he was throwing tackles in there like he was twice that way. He was cutting guys down. I mean, we've picked him out on the pod a couple of times. We spoke to Gary Gold about him. The the the, the amount of tackles he put in was heroic, to, to say, you know, anything less. was his, He was at, yeah, putting a heck yeah, of a shift in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been doing it all year. Yeah. And I've, I've got to put a hat tip to uh, Dylan Audsley. Dylan Audsley, if you watch the game... Dylan Audsley came on in the 27th minute to to substitute for Saliba, who'd gone off injured, which was probably a big loss, which we'll come on to a second. Audsley came on. He came into the centre. He's listed as a centre in his general ESPN listings, but he's only really played wing and fullback this season. They put yeah, him on in the yeah. centre. The guy looked a bit out of shape. The yellow cards came. First, he had to pack down at seven on the scrum. Then another yellow card, and he had to pack down at six on the scrum. I mean, he, he did... Probably leak two tries that could be attributed to missed tackles from him, or, or the intercept was actually a, a missed pass from him. Um, but fair play to the guy. He, he, he put an effort in. You know, can you pack down in the scrub? No, but I'll give it a go. And it, it, it was great. There was. Uh, Did he do a good Johnny May impression? No, <laughs> he, he he made Johnny May uh, look bad, which isn't hard. Yeah, <laughs> what, what, that's not hard. <laughs> What was mad was at one point he was packing down and Alec Barton was literally leaning over. Alec Barton at eight was leaning over going, no, on that side, that side, that's... <laughs> and he was literally telling him, which is, you know, we, like I say, we've seen it with Johnny May, but it, it was mad seeing. At least the guy, he kept going. And come the third scrum, he looked quite powerful, actually. <laughs> I, you know, change of position potential. I've <laughs> got to say that if you have got a 30 uh, second gap or so at work, ch- type in Johnny May scrum uh, and you'll see exactly what we're talking about. A, a huge lanky winger or a thin lanky winner that can run... Uh, fill in for a scrum, uh, and I'll leave it at that. But if you've got chance, the video may as well be titled "How Not to Scrummage." Yeah. Like, yeah. May as well. Hey! Oh, the poor puns are it's back. like a blind man in a brothel. Yeah. Oh dear! But uh, just going back there, I think also you know we talked about the discipline for San Diego. I think you losing Anthony Salaber in the twenty seventh minute was a pretty big loss for them. Not saying that they would have won it if he'd stayed on, but I think him him going off was. Uh, not not great for them, and it took a bit of the wind out of their sails. Yeah, that's where their strength's been for the last sort of three weeks, four weeks. Um, and the midfield battle was always going to be key in this matchup. Um, Soniola and Rasalika for the Seawolves have been strong all season. They've had a great pairing, um, running a few cut moves. They've found uh, holes in every other team, and we saw that later on, but I mean, Celeba and Matthias, they were huge mm. last week against the Raptors. They were huge when they were paired up together, but unfortunately Celeba had to go off. Um, so condolences to him. Hopefully he has a quick recovery yeah. and we see him back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the other things I've got to ask you guys on this game is do you think Seattle managed their subs better? Because... As the Legion was starting to tire, yeah, there was yellow cards, but Seattle seemed to react to me. They seemed to react better to bringing the subs on at the right time, bringing fresh legs on. You know, how many times on this pod have we we raised on how great Brock Stoller is? And Brock Stoller got taken off, uh, what minute did he go? He went relatively early into the game. He went at the 47th minute because he hadn't been having a great game. The coach wasn't wasn't afraid to hook Stoller off 
let it go. So to me, I thought Seattle actually managed their subs better, put the fresh legs on when they were needed, which, not again, okay, not saying so that I'd, was... I'd, yeah, I'd say, is that down to the quality of the bench? Absolutely, yeah. Quality I, of the I, bench. Yeah. But it, is it down to the coaching staff bringing in the right player at the right time as well? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's probably a, a mixture of both. Uh, you know, we say that with all games, you know, you could look back at probably a couple of Seawolves games in the season and maybe not got the subs wrong. Sorry, not got the subs right, but, you know, it's gone all right or... It's not. It's, it's always easy to say in hindsight, right? But yeah, I think for the most part in this game they did. Um, I would say for kind of me the key strength for Seawolves ha- ha- had to be their scrum again. Uh, it's oh, been yeah, a major factor all season, um, and that's where the battle's going to be won and lost. Yeah. If Raptors can put in a battle in the scrum, uh, I can only see the game going one way. But it's been a huge plus for them this season, Absolutely. and again it was immense um, on the on the game day. But one of their weaknesses actually for Seattle earlier in the game was their line-out. Uh, it wasn't great, and San Diego picked up on that, and, and they were willing to to try and take them to the line-out, you know, take the ball. And I thought that was great play by San Diego. But then again, we talked about half-time, and, the, you know, San Diego saying the missing tackles coming out and Devin Short almost killing men. Seattle came out in the second half, and their line-out just, line just it clicked. It was, again, right words were said at half-time, whatever. But first half, their line-out was pretty poor. Second half, it was pretty decent, really. So you can't fault them for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, just going back to your point about the substitutions, you know, the in the sheds uh, during the week and on the paddock, the game plan is also involves when subs are going to come on. So you get your 15, you'll have your eight players in that 15 that you know who are going to more or less come off before the game starts unless there's an injury and then you bring in your substitutes as and when you plan to, and that's all part of the game plan. So you're like, right, let's use this as an example, right? Uh, Phil Mack, we're going to give you 60 minutes, and you bring on sub. So Phil Mack just gives it 110% for 60 minutes. And then, you know, he can be happy with that he's put all his work in, the sub comes on. The sub's fresh, he's playing against tired boys, he wants to look good, so he puts in a 120%. So he looks better and he's fighting for that starting spot. So it's all part of the game plan as a bit of competition uh, for the coaches in the sort of next week or next season. Um, boys putting their hands up. Um, that gets sort of shown on uh, All or Nothing from the All Blacks. I don't yeah. know if you boys have seen the episode, but it's a really, really interesting episode for me uh, in particular because it's about the All Blacks. But also I found it interesting how they just talk about the substitutes, you know, they that's their job. The impact that they have coming yeah. on. Uh, Come Eddie on, Jones. be impactful. Yeah. If you're a substitute, be the best substitute. Yeah. You know, it was really interesting. It's, yeah. It's, it's a different sort of game plan. So Eddie Jones, obviously going through a bit of a tougher period at the time as an English supporter. Um, but Eddie Jones talked about the term, it's a finisher for his substitutions where yeah. your subs are coming on, they've got their game role a game role as though they're in the starting lineup. Their role is to come on 55, 60 minutes or wh- whichever the game dictates. Maybe it's even at half time, but they've got a job to do to close out the game. And that's exactly what the All Blacks do. But here in the case, you know, they they did bring on the subs at the right time. Again, I go down to depth in the squad, you know, England, again, just to bring that example, their kind of substitute bench hasn't been as strong over the last couple of years for a multitude of But then you say that, but you look at, at Danny Kerr sometimes when he come, when he used to come on at nine, maybe not so much recently. Danny Kerr not coming at nine, exactly what you said, Matt. Ben Youngs would shag himself out 110% for the 60 minutes, 
Danny Kerr comes on and he's going to play 130% to show that actually yeah. he wants Ben Young's his shirt next week. And it would quite often, the, the discussions, and I know we've had this in the pub before, should Danny Kerr start? And, you know, who's talking of that? On and the then he has, and then he's not been great, yeah, right? You exactly. Know? And, and some people are better as coming on, but that's that's all down to the game plan, right? And, you know, here looks like Seawolves had their game plan. As things probably change. I still think they've got a stronger bench and that factors in, but they still got it right. You know, their time came to make the changes uh, and they got it spot on. So fair play to them. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think one of the other key things for me on this game in terms of the game plan was, was San Diego. There was quite a few times, 45th minute and second half, there was points in the first half as well, when they were camped out on the Seattle try line and they left with zero. One thing Clive Woodward always said is if you're going in, Clive Woodward, obviously the ex-coach of England, for those of you who don't know. Who won the World Cup? One of the things he always said was if you go into the opposition's 22, you leave with points. Be that three points from a penalty, three points from a drop or a try. And there were some times when San Diego were camped on the line and you could see them pushing back. Seattle, Seattle were tackling them back. Seattle were hitting it hard, pushing them back. And for me at that point, it was the time for tag leader to call it and say, look, let's take the three. Let's get the drop goal. Let's, let's, I'll get in the pocket. Let's move the ball to the centre. Through the pocket, gets three. The ball's coming back to us. Kick off, the ball comes back to you. We'll attack him again. And I think... In a, in a playoff game like that, you've got to be able to make those calls and say, we've, we've yeah. wasted energy. We've been here five minutes. We're going backwards, not forwards. Let's take three. Let's do this. Let's go again. That's key. That I mean, it's a playoff game, right? So it's a, it's, yeah. it's a it's final. Knock, it's, knockout, it's knockout rugby at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah, so, so you've got to look at it like that. In game, I think, yeah, it'd be difficult game to game kind of playing like that. England, when Clive Woodward was kind of the boss, um, Johnny Wilkinson I'm sure many rugby fans will know the name you know he was awesome with the boot you know you you passed it to him he was probably going to drop goal 99 out, 99 out of 100 attempts um, it's probably not quite the same here but still you know we talked about game management over and over again this season two or three of those opportunities all of a sudden there's nine more points in it and then Seawolves are making different decisions perhaps and those substitutions aren't quite the same yeah. and you know, all of a sudden we're talking a three or four point game and it changes the dynamic of the game completely. So Yeah, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing for us. We can sit here, we've watched it, we've watched it on replay, we've seen where the gaps were, we get all this hindsight. On the field it's different. But I think, you know, we all agree from the open statement of Matt is Seattle deserved this game, but it's it's, you know, upsetting that San Diego didn't get there because they, they deserved a... it on the, on the day. They played some good rugby. Yeah, they couldn't convert their chances. Agreed. It's gonna be good to see Seawolves in the final and a very deserved spot there. Uh, on that note, we're going to move on to the second game where we had Glendale against Utah. Glendale, as I said before, went 34 up points up to 21. Uh, James, I think it's probably safe to say that Raptors are the deserved winners here again and deserved spot in the final out of all the sides. They've been awesome. What did you think of the game? Yeah, no, point one there. You know, Raptors have only lost one all season. That was San Diego and that made us all choose San Diego on last week's pod to... Uh, to win this, they've not been they've not been turned over anywhere else, and and, uh, and um, Tando got a great result to turn them over. This game in particular, you know, fair result again. Raptors deserved it. Raptors were, were the better team. You know, they leaked a few points towards the end, which they won't be happy with. The, the, the scoreline thirty four twenty one is probably a little bit more favourable to Utah, whereas the game was more one sided. I would suggest than the game suggests. Um, on that though, can't take it away. The game Utah brought it to them at a frantic pace. The first five minutes, Jesus wept. They just went for it. It was there was a lot of power going, and you know I thought it was um, it was great. You know, first try, Sam Fig went over in two minutes from the Raptors. You know it had been Utah giving it to him. 
But uh, for me, Mika Kruse on that on that first try, the two minutes in, Mika Kruse, the feet on him. Whew, I think you've mentioned it before, Matt, the sort of dancing feet he's got. But, you yeah. know, the, 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 even in that two minutes in, the Warriors showed they were ready to battle. Yeah, I think the Warriors sort of started a bit slow uh, in different facets of the game. I mean, like, leaking a try after two minutes, you just can't do that. No. Um, Not in a playoff game. No, never. Um, and then they sort of tightened up a little bit. Uh, but then, yeah, a couple of breaks. Mika Kruse enjoyed his time out on the wing, um, ha- having been in the centres the last two weeks while the international boys were away with the Eagles. Um, so a little bit less responsibility for him, and I think he sort of enjoyed that um, dancing feat. Um, Harley Davidson busted over for a try. And then Sean Davies, what a try for Yeah, what a the Sean Davies try. Go on, Joe. Do you want, do you want, should we play the Brokeback Mountain music now, or...? <laughs> I love that man. I love that, you, Sean. <laughs> that was a hell of a try for his though, off, off of the um, off the line out. Showed good wheels. Yeah, Harley Davidson would have been brilliant. Ah, I'm glad you got it in. I was going to do that one. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a powerful game from both teams. I thought they were physical. Um, Glendale at the rucks, though, Jesus, they weren't letting up. They were hitting those rucks with some intensity. I don't know how many turnovers they got, but a lot. The, the power they're bringing into those rucks. Yeah. Poor boys on the floor from Utah were just getting upended, flying round, and didn't know where they were. It was great to see, though. I think that was one thing for me. It's going to be interesting because the season's a lot shorter than, you know, perhaps, you know, in English rugby, it's about 30 odd weeks of a season, you know, same in um, Super Rugby and Pro 14. Um, it's going to be interesting. So that intensity in games, you often find that's week in, week out in a longer season. It's very difficult to keep up for a game like this. And you've got to say to out the season, Raptors have been in their intensity has been immense. Fair play to them. But as more and more teams get added into the pot, it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain that intensity. Yeah, I mean, the good thing about the Raptors, I mean, if you sort of take a step back and you look at the two forward, forward packs of this game, Utah's forward pack is massive. Like it's a proper brute force forward pack. And then you look at the Raptors and it's just a well drilled unit. Mm. And we've talked about this previously. The structure that they play, the roles that the players play, they just it's almost mechanical from them, you know, it's robotic. They just do it. They know what they're doing. I mean, you look at Sam Fig, he's a number eight, he's probably sort of the build of a winger in some yeah. cases. Yeah. He's he's not huge. But the work rate of the man is just immense. Uh, he's, you know, he's a sevens player, so he's quick. Um, he's a powerful man, and he, he's just a quality role player. I thought he was probably man of the match, in my opinion. He was just everywhere at all times. Yeah, and I mean, on that, you mentioned there the sort of the twenty-eight minute ago. You mentioned the twenty-eight minute try where Harley Davidson got his one, but that was a one of the tries of the season for me. The actual, the, the build of it, you know, it came off, it came off the line out. It was short, quick ball from Sean Davies straight in. Um, Chad London took it and he he managed to dance around about three before he offloaded it. Um, Cruze danced around a few and then put it back into Harley Davis. And the team play there was brilliant for that try. And I wouldn't be surprised if it comes to try the season awards at the end if, if that one's not up there. But you, you talk there of well-drilled units in the, in the forwards, but you also see it in the backs, the well-drilled units Glendale have. In that yeah. you know it it wasn't an off the uh, off the training paddock move, but it was close to it. It was yeah, absolutely quick ball, quick ball. You know, Chad London hit it. I think it was. I think it was Chad London. His offload was Sonny Billesque. You know, he was going down. He just sort of popped it, not quite around the back, but popped it as he was going down. And, you know, you look at that, and and that's when you've got that sort of um, 
that sort of ability to be able to pop him like that is if you're defending this, unless you're going high on him, but the sides of Chad London, you you don't want to go high. You've got to go low. You've got to bring the guy down. Yeah, he's a big bloke. You've got to chop the tree low, as they say. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think the Raptors sort of enjoyed having McGee just with a bit of a calmer temperament at 10. I mean, Diarchival's been there. He's a brilliant player. Um, One of the things on McGee, though, sorry, just to jump in, is there was a couple of penalties where he missed touch. Um Obviously, Raptors won the game. Not that important, but I'm sure he'll be back looking at those in the in the in the paddock in, on the training Last video. Last game this week. that can make all the difference. Exactly, going into a championship game. If you've got a penalty and you're 50 out on the halfway and you miss touch, that can make all the difference. You've got to make sure. And I'm sure you know we don't see it very often from him. I'm not going to say it was the nerves because the guy has played bigger games than this, but he needs to make sure in future he's hitting touch on those on what were quite simple penalties. Yeah, and I think is in case of that, it's. Sometimes don't try and push yourself too hard. Just find touches. Get yeah. yourself within the 22, whether that's in the 5 or the 22, you know. Obviously, you want to be closer, but just, just get it into touch. That's just basic things. Yeah, I think in that instance, um, McGee obviously trying to get a bit more meterage. Mm. But like you say, boys, just get it out. I mean, if if you're going for the 22, you don't need to go for the 5-meter line. You need... Yeah. I mean... I'm thinking from a back's perspective here. If you're a back, you want to be sort of like 10, 15 metres out because you know you're going to get the ball. The Raptors' backs, uh, you know, they're part of this well-oiled machine. They know what they're doing. Uh, they found holes. They could have scored quite easily because they did it throughout the day. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, back to what I was trying to say before before I got my lunch cut. Yeah. Um, was has been playing 10 the last couple of weeks, he's, and he's been great. But I think the Raptors' game plan is is sort of more suited to what McGee brings with a calm temperament at ten, and that just I think that just sort of worked well. Obviously, the support cast from the June International boys helped. But in saying that, Diarchival back in fifteen, you know, he's an exciting player. He looks so good in space, um, and I think he probably preferred to be sort of frolicking around out in the backfield a bit more than sort of having the fat boys running at him at 10. So both both of them played bloody well. Uh, I thought, yeah, the Raptors, again, deserved winners. Utah, they were good, um, but they just, you know, they were playing catch-up for about 28, uh, from the 28th minute, and it was yeah. just they let in too many points to sort of fight back. Yeah. Again, strong running from Paul Lasique. Um, missed a couple animal. of tackles this week though Paul you know strong yeah. running but it's usually his defence is, is hot but this week he just he seemed to miss a couple of tackles uh, uncharacteristic from him really yeah is that down to the nerves again you know it's... I don't know he's played bigger games he, 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 yeah. he ran out against Scotland you know Jesus that was a hell of a game I think it's just it comes down to sort of bad timing sometimes yeah. you know sometimes it's not really your day your timing's off a little bit um but some of those runs, he sort of more or less made up for it, yeah. if you look at it in terms of yardage. Um, but yeah, he won't be too happy with the missed tackles. You, you never are as a player, um, and you're always your own worst critic. But he was good. Uh, Don Party dived over. Hey, Don Party like that. <laughs> Don Party. Uh, again, Lauti was electric. Yeah. You know, exciting players um, from Utah. So um excited to see what they sort of do over the off-season um, and what they bring next year. I think we can see 
well, I'm saying it early, but I think we can see bigger things coming from Utah next year. Can't disagree on that at all. I mean, I wrote down here one of the big things of the game. Raptors deserve the victory, but Utah should be blooming proud of that game and blooming proud of their season. Next, se- next season, I think they're a team to watch. They've got, you say, power in the forwards, power in the backs. They've got power all over that field. They've got some great players in the side. I think their issue has been just such an inconsistent side that you'll get a hell of a performance one week and then an average performance the next, and they're not doing yeah. the basics right. You look at them, got into the playoffs, you know, they did really well. I mean, it's not, it's probably flattered them a bit much with the score, but Glendale have been the standout team this season, right? You know, bar the one loss to Legion last game, fuck the gas maybe, don't know. Um, they've absolutely been there, but Utah have really come back into the mix. Uh, and fair play to them, you know, again, I think they could be a side to watch next season it's going to be very interesting to see yeah absolutely fully agree on that it takes us to our predictions for the final where we have Glendale Raptors the inaugural season's winner of the regular season versus Seattle Seawolves the game is Saturday night at 9pm Eastern time that's 2am UK time predictions boys Matt I'll start with you ooh uh I'm not too sure, to be honest. Um, let's sort of talk through it. I mean, it's obviously a huge game. Um, the two teams have played before. Um, Seattle went down narrowly at home, and then they played Glendale uh, at high altitude in Denver um, and played really well. Um, kept them scoreless for about 55 minutes out of the 80 Um and then just leaked too many points in those minutes in between. Um, but in saying that, I think I think Seattle's going to have to put out a performance like that again and with a little extra 10% to be able to knock off the Raptors and with the way that their machine is rolling, you know, it's they're going to do just... They're not going to work on anything over the week. this week. They're just going to carry on doing what they're doing the guys know what they're doing. Um, they're just going to sort of run through the motions, as it were, um, and then come out firing. So I think Seawolves going to have to find something uh, midweek by watching some film, whether it's you know around the ruck, like they found some holes last time, um, or in the midfield where they've found holes in other teams. Um, but I think it's going to be a close win to the Raptors. Yeah, I think everything you said there, I have to agree with in terms of uh, in terms of you know the, the preseason. You know, we've got here what's well, a regular season. We've got here what is probably the fair final. We've got one versus two, the two best teams going at it for a third time this season. We'll be over in San Diego. It's going to be a party there at the weekend. And make sure anyone who can get to it gets to it. Is that a dumb party? Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately not a dumb party. He didn't quite make it. Um, for me, it's going to be an interesting one. I think Glendale have got the upper hand, but I think they're going to have better preparation this week. I think they're going to get drilled harder this week. I think they made a few mistakes against um, Utah at the weekend. Like we said, they leaked a fair lot of points at the end, which they won't be happy with, and I think they're going to be back on the on the training paddock stinking about that. Um, and I really do think that, that this one is going to be a cracking game for the championship game, but... I think it will be Glendale. I don't know how it will be that close, though. I think it will be relatively close, but I think they'll be. I think Glendale have it by over ten points, if I'm honest. But I think it will be a. Uh, 
it'll be it'll be close for most of the game, I reckon. It will be nip and tuck, but come the end of it, Glendale are gonna be raising that trophy and it's gonna be it, it's gonna be an interesting game and you know but I think Glendale are raising that trophy at the end of it. Yeah, I mean it's it's a tough one to call and that either team win it, you'd say, yep, yeah, it doesn't surprise you at all. I know that sounds daft with only two teams, but Sea Wolves absolutely have the potential to win this game, you know, it's not a, a Raptors Oh, here you go, here's a trophy before the game's kicked off, far from it. Um, as Matt says, Seawolves really have to raise their game and Raptors would have to lower their game, I think, to kind of to win it. So I, I think on that basis, for me, it, it's got to be Raptors that you're going to back. Um, I think you're right, I think it'd be maybe 10 or 12 points is the margin. Um, but if Seawolves get off to a really strong start, you know, they're just going to play solidly in the midfield, you know, try and close down and just defend. If their pack comes out, all strong and Raptors struggling in the scrum, I think it's Seawolves there for the taking. Um, but yeah, Raptors for the win and um, Sean Davies MVP. I think a key thing there, you sort of mentioned it, is one thing Glendale have got to make sure this week is a few handling errors crept back into the game against Utah at the weekend, a few drop balls. You can't do that against Seattle. We've seen their scrum. They will punish you. You do not want to drop ball. You want no knock-ons, you want no four passes, not that we've seen many. Sean Davies, you know, doesn't pass them forward, does he? The guy's a genius. Um, we don't want to see any drop passes though, because if if there if, if there's a scrummage battle between uh, Seattle and Glendale, Seattle are going to try and punish them on it. So so Glendale have got to, for me, it's got to be quite simple rugby. You know, simple passes, not yeah. not not the big looping passes which we've seen them do previously, which work when you're playing someone like the Sabre Cats or Nola. Um, it's got to be simple passes, not Route One rugby, but keeping it simple, play to their strengths. We know Glendale are a strong team. Keep keep what they're good at. Yeah, well, I mean, Seawolves either pick it up or what the, they do what we have seen sort of lesser teams do in the past is make the opposition play to their game. Like we, most recent memory for me is watching uh, Italy not commit to the ruck against England. Yeah, and yeah. England had no idea what to do, which I found very amusing. Um, but... It's something like that, you know, you you sort out a game plan where you sort of, you do something out of the ordinary and it makes the other team have to think and adapt their game plan to suit what they want to do. Um, so maybe the Seawolves think about some, you know, out-of-the-box Outside tactics. Of the box. Obviously, you can't do the no commitment to the ruck anymore. World Rugby changed the laws on that one, but maybe there's something else Oh, there. Eddie Jones paid them off, did he? <laughs> Yeah, it's coming from a Kiwi cheating within the rules. Okay, yeah, pull the other one. I think on that note, I'm just going to break up the fight and say, there we have it. So we're all in agreement here. We have Glendale Raptors is the prediction to lift the first season of ML Rugby, ML Rugby, Major League Rugby. But we're all looking forward to a great game as well. That's the crucial thing. It will be a great display of rugby. Both teams, we mentioned there about subs coming on 100%. Both teams are going into this, no win, 120% is all they can An do. open game of rugby, and I think that's what we'll see. So on that note, we'll leave it there. As always, we're looking forward to another great weekend of Major League Rugby. We'll say thank you to Free SFX for providing the sound used in this podcast. If you're ordering any stash from Ram Rugby UK or Ram Rugby USA, make sure you use the code MLRP10 at checkout for 10% off your purchases. Say thank you to Matt. Cheers, boys. And James. Cheers. But not really. And on that note, we'll see you all next week. But don't forget to follow us on any forms of social media at MLRugbyPod.
and throw in some questions for a bit of Q&A. Hopefully not Trump-related ones for those that do follow us on Twitter. Have a good week, everyone. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Major League. Rugby. Pod.